Hey, what's up everybody? This is Joe McCall, REI in your car. And this is part two of my uh, episode that I did last time. Last podcast I did, I, by the way, if you, if I'm talking and if I do these weird pauses, (laughs) I apologize. It's because I'm driving and I'm, uh, I'm not a good multitasker. So I'm doing my best to be safe. Okay. So the last podcast I did was uh, five things that I used to say yes to, but now I say no to. And today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about five things I used to say no to, but now I say yes to because I've gotten wiser with age. And um, so let me just jump in. This is a list that I made, and it's in no particular order, but I think that this is a list that you should maybe pay attention to because there's some really important things that I've learned, and I've learned the hard way through this. Number one, I would use a CRM for my leads. I would use a database or a CRM something for my leads. There's a lot of cool software available today for you guys that I did not have when I was getting started. (laughs) This wasn't that long ago even. It was 2009 when I quit my job. I started kind of doing deals in 2006, 7. And there were a few tools out there, you know, but, you know, there were spreadsheets that I could have used. Google Sheets, I think, was around back then. But I had, for some reason, this idea that I didn't need to do... Uh, put my leads in a database. I thought it was too much work. I didn't think it was necessary. And I want—I remember one of my early coaches and mentors harped on that and said, it's important you put your leads in a database so you can follow up with them, so that you can um, uh, follow up with your leads, et cetera, et cetera. So, all right, hold on a second here. I used to think that I could handle it with just a pad of paper and post-it notes and, oh, what a disaster that was, right? What happens when you lose your pad of paper, <laughs> which I did more than once? What happens when you can't find that post-it note that you wrote some really important things on? Or by the uh, end of the day, you've talked to five, six sellers, and you can't remember where you put your notes for that one seller you talked to earlier in the day, or you can't remember. You see your notes, but you can't read your handwriting. You, have, you don't remember what you... You can't read the address. You can't remember what you were going to send them. Oh, I can't. I had so many stories of sellers that would call me three days after I had promised them I would send an offer. And they're like, hey, I don't know. I didn't get the offer. Uh, did you send that? <laughs> like, uh, what, what was your name again? <laughs> what address were you? Oh, yeah, and pretend to remember. So I don't know. Maybe I was the only one. I'm the only one that does that, did that. So then I started actually I, I had a, a folder system which was an improvement which was better I used to have I used to print a bunch of blank lead sheets and then I would put the lead after I talked to the seller I put my notes and all on the paper and then I would put each paper into a different folders one for hot one for warm one for cold and one for dead and I would carry these notebooks these folders around with me everywhere I go and that was that la- that was good better than what I used to do but finally, I think it was FreedomSoft was the first thing that I got, and I finally actually started using it, and it was it worked. And I was using actually 
maybe I was using Google Sheets or there's a, another program called Smartsheet that I think I was using. I don't remember. Uh, when Podio came around, that changed everything for me and I started using Podio and I became a huge proponent of using databases. And I started realizing the importance of no lead left behind, right? Um, not letting any lead fall through the cracks. And so you're, you're, I was hemorrhaging money because I wouldn't follow up with my leads. And um, eventually I got to a point too where I realized, man, I'm spending way too much time in front of the computer updating these leads. I need to get a VA to do this for me. So I started communicating with my VAs with Voxer or voice messaging apps and or taking the picture of the seller lead sheet and just taking a picture of that sheet and emailing it to my assistant to have them update for me. So anyway, the point is, get yourself a good old CRM ASAP and use it. I interviewed a guy, uh, Rick Hine, on one episode, and he uses Evernote as, he's, as his CRM. Um, I know a lot of people that use Podio, FreedomSoft, REI Blackbook. There's a lot of really good ones out there. You just need to use something. All right, number two, um, one of the things I did not do then, I didn't think was important, was managing my books. Here's the thing. If you don't know your numbers, you really, you don't have a real business, okay? I could do a whole episode on that. And I'm not saying by any means I'm perfect, but if you don't know your numbers, you're not, you don't have a real business. And you need to get somebody, a bookkeeper, an accountant, somebody besides you to manage your cash flow and to do your books, okay? And it's not, I'm not talking about at the end of the year, sending a CPA, you, all of your bank statements. I'm talking about like every month at the minimum, preferably every one or two weeks, give somebody that's your that's updating your books and is telling you where you are and is paying your taxes. Oh, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> I won't go into all the details, but man, I'm telling you that is important. Nothing is worse than being surprised with a huge tax bill at the end of the year of taxes you have to pay that you don't have the money for. Okay? That sucks with a capital S and a capital U-C-K-S. Like, that all sucks really, really bad. So don't be in that position, right? There's a really good book you should read it called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz, the guy who wrote The Pumpkin Plan. This is a book called Profit First. You all need to, you all need to get it and uh, get, a, get somebody to do your books, manage your cash flow, pay your bills, and set aside a certain percentage of money from every deal that you do to pay for your taxes later on down the road. All right, it's a painful subject. I don't want to talk about it. Let's move on. Okay, the uh, the third thing that I used to say no to, but now I say yes to, is hiring a local assistant, a local U.S.-based assistant. I used to only have virtual assistants, except for my very first assistant was a Indiana, someone from Indiana. But soon after that, I only hired, and I've hired a ton of them, virtual assistants from the Philippines. And not that there's anything wrong with them, but when I hired a local U.S.-based assistant, I was so nervous about it. I was fighting it tooth and nail, but I had friends that were telling me to do it and pushing me and pushing me. And my income and productivity tripled, practically, when I did that. I don't know how to explain it. Maybe I just wasn't a good manager of virtual assistants, but it just became so much easier for me. And I was paying twice as much, three times as much for a local assistant, 
but it made all the difference in the world. And I paid them W-2, right? So I have a local payroll company that just takes care of all of that. And it pays for itself, okay? If you just look at the money you spend chasing sellers because you can't answer your phones or you're not returning your calls and the amount of time that you waste by inputting stuff into Podio or following up with sellers that you think a virtual assistant in the Philippines can do for you. And they can, but it's really hard to find a good enough one that does. So um, what my point is, getting a good local U.S.-based assistant who can understand the culture, the language, what you need, what you, and, you know, has more reliable internet, maybe a um, little better work ethic. I don't know. I'm not saying people in the Philippines have bad work ethics. I'm just saying, like, in my experience, when I hired somebody local, it was a game changer. So I used to not want to do that. Now I do. Okay. And now what I do is actually I have my local assistants manage my virtual assistants. So I'm not even talking to my virtual assistants anymore. My local assistants are. All right. The fourth thing that I used to say no to, but now I say yes to, is spending a lot of money on marketing. I used to be petrified and terrified of investing and spending a lot of money on marketing. And it's a crazy thing. Like, I wouldn't hesitate, you know, well, I would a little bit, but like, I would spend tens of thousands of dollars on coaching and products and boot camps and workshops, right? But I would freak out to spend $1,000 on direct mail or maybe $1,000 a week on direct mail. Like that would freak me out. But I wouldn't have any hesitation or problem spending $10,000 on a coaching program. I think I spent 12 grand on my first coaching program. Now, that's a long story, but it was all on credit card and uh, I didn't do anything with what they told me to do. That's a, that should scare you more. You know what I'm saying? So don't be afraid to spend money on marketing. Now, this is a crazy thing because you've got to make sure you have the systems in place. You've got to make sure you know what you're doing, but do it. You know, stop being a uh, sissy. There's a video that you should look up. It's got bad words in it, but it's by a guy named Frank Kern. And uh, he, he, it's about the secrets of success. He has two rules. Number one, stop being a um, sissy and stop uh, farting around. And I'm using the nice words. So if you just go to YouTube and do a search for Frank Kern, stop being a, you know, that word, sissy, and then stop effing around, whatever, and you'll find the video. And it's really good. It's about four minutes long. But so many of us are afraid to invest in marketing and uh, we need to just, we just need to do it. And make sure you're doing it smart. Make sure you're not being foolish. But, you know, once you are already starting to do deals and you already kind of know what you're doing, then invest in marketing. That's the best investment you can make in your business. All right, the five, is that number four? Number five, I think this is number five. I'm going to just make sure I didn't skip anything. Uh, da, ba, da, ba, da. Okay, yeah. Number five, be generous. Uh, I used to be stingy and, and hold a lot of, kind of like being a tightwad. There's nothing wrong with being a tightwad when when you have to be, right? But um, I'm way more generous now, and I find that the more generous I am, the more money I make. And so I would say yes now with a lot less hesitation, and more quickly I would say yes now to being generous. And being generous in a couple ways, to other people and to myself. And let me explain. I don't mean kind of weird ways, but like, number one, like we need to stop looking for ways to pay our people less and we need to look for ways to pay our people more. We need to be generous. We need to pay our people really, really well. Whether it's a virtual assistant or a local assistant or a business partner or acquisition managers, 
you need to be generous. If, if you want them to be loyal to you, you need to be loyal to them. And a lot of times, not every time, but sometimes that means like at the pocketbook, right? It means giving them larger bonuses or larger incentives, paying them, increasing them, their hourly wage. I pay my assistants really, really well, a, a lot more than most of my friends in the industry do that have similar assistants that do similar things, right? I pay them really, really well. And the same with our assistants, our virtual assistants, I pay them well. Uh, every Christmas I give them a full month's salary and a bonus. And it's important to be generous. The other thing I wanted to say kind of related to this is um, I think we need to sometimes be a little generous on ourselves and, tr and treat ourselves to treat ourselves a little bit. Um, several times in the past, not every time, but I have bought first class tickets. And twice uh, when I've flown to Europe, for business, for doing a workshop or something like that, I have bought first class tickets. And then a couple times buying, when I'm going to a workshop uh, or a mastermind or whatever, I will buy, hold on, I need to see where I'm going. Okay, I'm going the long way so that I can talk to you guys more. How about that? <laughs> I bought these first class tickets and it was expensive, right? I mean, a few thousand dollars more. But here's the cool thing. Because I flew first, flew first class, I was able to really spend that time focusing on my business and coming up with schemes and good schemes and uh, plans for things to do, things to change. And I guarantee you the time that I spent thinking about my business um, and coming up with new and better, faster, more efficient ways to do what I do, deals and on the coaching side of things, um, I guarantee you I made more money than I spent on that first class ticket. Plus, where I, when I landed to where I was going, I was always more refreshed, more relaxed, and uh, you know, did when I when I, I just did better when I was at that workshop or whatever. So, I I typically always try to buy first class. And I got this idea from uh, a guy named Mark Evans. Some of you know him, super smart guy, and he always does this. And um, something about that mentally when you are in first class uh, at least for me I'm thinking okay I'm spending a lot of money on this and I'm going to I'm going to figure out some kind of campaign to get this money back while I'm flying here and um, it, it works it works really really well I remember once um, I was flying first class to uh, Spain we were doing a workshop in Marbella and I had a layover somewhere, and I was just so tired, even though I had first class, right? I mean, it's just normal jet lag. But when I got to the airport, wherever it was, somewhere in, I forget, France maybe, I went, I had like a three or four hour layover. And I went to the, the first class area, like the Admiral's room or whatever it's called. And um, I forget it was what airline it was, anyway. They went in. I went in there, and guess what? I was able to take a shower and take a nap. They have a little room that you can rent and lay down and take a nap, and your own private shower. It was amazing. So, how much more refreshed do you think I felt when I went to that workshop and I was able to take a shower, take a nap, and uh, go conquer the world? So, anyway, that's my. That, those are my five things. Okay, five things I used to say no to, but I say yes to now. And just in summary. Um, I uh, use a CRM, a database to manage my leads, uh, hire a local assistant, uh, get hire somebody to manage my books and my cash flow, 
set aside money every single deal for taxes. I can't tell you how important that is. Start spending, not being afraid to spend money on marketing, right? Uh, if you figure now, especially these days, in some of these markets, you may you may need to be spending two to five thousand dollars in marketing per deal. But it's going to work out because your average profits are going to be five, ten, twenty thousand dollars, right? So stop being afraid to spend so much money on marketing. And then finally, start being more generous and uh, pay your people well. Start spending time with your family. Be generous with your time and your money. And be generous to yourself too. You know, take yourself out on a nice vacation, you and your family. Um, and, and go first class once in a while. Not every time, maybe. But go first class and use that time to like really think about your business and come up with ways, creative ways to grow your business, become more efficient and stuff like that. And you'll make that money back if something happens where, where uh, it's magical. Cool. I hope that helps. Hey, listen, um, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and find the show notes for this. I think we're getting them transcribed now too, by the way. And leave me a comment. Let me know what are your, what are some of your things that you used to say no to, but now you say yes to. And if you want, go listen to the previous episode I did, if you haven't yet, where I talked about five things I've said I, I said yes to in the past, but now I say no to, kind of the opposite of what I did today. And I hope you find this helpful, guys. Um, take care. I appreciate you all. Bye-bye.